Today, I've got Eleanor Hill. Eleanor is bringing her show Sad Events to the Vault Festival, 31st January to the 3rd of February. Eleanor, lovely to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your theatre background is then? Yeah, lovely to meet you too. Um, so I am an actor and a theatre maker, and I suppose a writer now. Um, and um, I, um, I trained at East 15. Uh, that's where my formal training was. And since then, I've done a play called Under the Radar. Um, and I did that twice. And then there was, you know, that, um, oh, what was it called? The pandemic thing that happened, uh, you know. <laughs> when little, everyone little hindrance, sort of yeah. Yeah, do you remember that one? Uh, we all felt miserable and everyone couldn't go anywhere and it was the end of the world. Well, <laughs> that happened and um, I got just really, really depressed with it all and acting stopped. So I I wrote a thing. Um, I kind of, I basically got bored of waiting. For, I'm not very good at waiting for jobs to come to me. I'm not patient like that. So I decided to make some work. Um, and yeah, that's that's where Sadvent sort of began in the COVID times. And uh, yeah, we did the, the so it debuted in the White Bear in June this year. Um, and now it goes to the vaults. So that's my sort of brief acty background. Is this your <laughs> is this your proper writing debut though? It is. It is the the first thing. Terrifying, right? <laughs> I mean, I've done it once, so and they've given me the vaults, so it must be sort of all right. If you, yeah, if you, yeah, if you didn't get kicked out of the white bear, you've obviously got, got something <laughs> going right. Yeah, <laughs> um, they're, they're usually quite selective there. There's usually um, they, they they're not too bad for their quality control at the white bear usually. <laughs> um, so, and yeah, I mean, I was about to ask what you what made you want to write this. We've already said it's you because of the sort of pandemic and basically give yourself yeah. something to do. Was it? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, you know, party time. No, I mean, it, it was that, but it was also it sort of, it, it really originated. Um, I had a, a little bit of a breakdown on Instagram. I went through this terrible, terrible breakup. And rather than sort of handling it in like, you know, a normal way, I decided to have a breakdown on my personal Instagram and just did these sort of like ranting, raving stories, which when you watch them back, I mean how I wasn't hurried to a padded room quickly I don't know but you know we were in lockdown and COVID and stuff so the NHS were too busy <laughs> um and uh, yeah so I wrote I watched some of them back once I'd got a bit of therapy to deal with it you know and um I thought oh some of these are terribly sad and traumatizing but very good and so I took that as sort of the inspiration to write a series of monologues and I at that time I called it Sadvent Calendar because it was sort of a depressive alternative to an advent calendar and um, there was one every day of of advent that year I think I was 2020 you know the year that we all want to forget um, and I contacted being an actor luckily I have a lot of actor friends and I contacted 25 actors from around the world and I got them to perform the monologues I'd written on their phones and I released them every single day and that was that's the basis of Sadvents and then sort of did that and that got quite good feedback and reviews and that was obviously all just done on on my Instagram it was all free content and what have you and then yeah they got the feedback and people were sort of saying have you thought about doing this as a play and I thought oh, that's 
yeah, yeah, all right, all right, I'll do that then. So uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was the the thing, really. Two questions that come from that. One, mm. are your original ranting inst Insta posts on your personal account still available? Are they still <laughs> up, or did you delete them? <laughs> um, they are. I've archived all of them, and I have them all. And if I become rich and famous, then maybe I'll release them. But until that time, I think they might be damaging for me. <laughs> <laughs> nothing you you know the adage isn't it no publicity yeah. is bad publicity <laughs> you know i mean if they're out there people see it it's like what on earth is this mad woman up to well you can find out she's playing the vaults in february <laughs> or january january on february um, and, true. and secondly then and so when you actually done the the sad vents calendar Sad, sad, sad vents, sad vents calendar. Sad vents calendar it was then. No, I'm trying and to pronounce then... advent. I promise you want to pronounce ad differently, don't you? But um, is that still available? Is that still sort of something that's online then? So, I've, yeah, they're all on my YouTube on um, all of those original monologues. And I'm going to just re-edit a few of them and then re-put them up on the sad vents uh, play Instagram as we get closer, because I think it'd be nice to... As, as the show grows, I kind of like want to give um, a little bit of, I don't know, um, advertising basically to the people who were originally involved. But I sort of just need to work into our marketing came, uh, campaign. So, so yeah, that there, but they all exist, and a lot of people still have them on their on their own social media pages. I think you've already described a lot of what the show's about. So, but do you want to, can you tell us a bit more about what we can expect if we come and see this show? Because it does look weird and wacky in many ways. <laughs> yeah, it's not your standard thing. Um, if you are someone who is a real big believer in theatre etiquette rules, then don't come. Uh, you won't like it. Um, you, uh, it, is, it is wild and weird and wonderful the biggest thing I suppose is the fact that I encourage implore people to use their phones during the performance I sort of give a lot of talk to that in my all of my marketing and stuff and I also begin my show talking to people about how I'd like them to use their phones um so that's different and uh the fact that I myself because I'm the one performing it I will be jumping into people's dms uh on instagram whilst uh i'm performing so that's another reason why i encourage people to use their phones because i'll be sending nice weird messages to them which <laughs> who doesn't want that <laughs> i mean there is yeah there is that thing about sort of yeah there are traditionalists um who who will be disgusted if everyone gets their phone out of the theater um i'll be honest it drives me up the wall when people do it but that's usually because you shouldn't be doing it i think if you if it's something you encourage and yeah. i've been to show I've, I've been to one show i can think of where they encourage you to do it it is a strange one isn't it having um because i say what drives me up the wall is when people just get their phone out to look at a text message while they're halfway through a play but i think yeah if you, if you're encouraging it it's a different aspect isn't it but yeah and I mean I know it's a it's a it's an interesting thing I think for me it wasn't it didn't necessarily start out as a I want to sort of middle finger to everyone who cares about theatre etiquette you know it didn't it didn't begin that way but it sort of began more the the play as I said comes from a little bit of an Instagram breakdown that I had personally so it it 
feels very nice to have audiences to be able to use their phones. And so I I do the whole piece basically to my phone, which is then streamed on Instagram and also on a uh, a projector from behind me. So you'll it, it's weird if I then said and you can't have your phone. Mm-hmm. So the whole sort of thing is around uh, this character existing in her room and she's just on her phone. She's just talking and talking and talking these monologues to her phone, like selfie style. Um, And so the actual engagement with the audience, the eye contact is through the projector and through the phone. So it's another way of really uh, quickly getting people to buy into that is is to have them, them seeing it on their phones as well. Yeah, and I think I say, and, I think, and there's nothing wrong with sort of pushing the boundaries, is there? Because you know, no. if we all stick to what we see as traditional theatre, let's say etiquette, it would get very boring very quickly. I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I mean, another thing for me is really based around sort of, I'm I'm sort of quite a big believer that if we don't want theatre to die, we will have to embrace new ways of keeping it alive and introducing new audiences. Mm -hmm. And I think from sort of research that I've done, and I've done some workshops with schools and stuff um, as part of this, is there's a lot of people who, um, especially, as I say, younger people, a lot of people who don't think theatre is for them. And a lot of the reasons they don't think that is because they don't know the rules of theatre. So they think that maybe it'll be a bit stuffy or they'll be judged or, or what, you know, whatever. And so another great way is if I could get people to come to my show because they think that maybe it will be somewhere that will be a little bit more relaxed or somewhere where they're not going to be judged for not knowing exactly what to do and what not to do. That might be their sort of the gateway drug to more sort of traditional theatre, if you if you see what I mean. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And it sort of reaches as well. uh, I'm, I'm trying to reach maybe people who who think, oh, well, theatre's not for me, I don't like theatre, but I do like Instagram or TikTok, mm-hmm. and this play seems to be talking a lot about that, so maybe I will like it, you know? So, um, yeah, a lot a lot of it is also because I would like to get some some fresh theatre-goers into our industry. Yeah, and it's something, I mean, it's something we talk about a lot of everything theatre, sort of um, <clears throat> how, yeah, how you encourage a younger audience in, because you know the audience are just getting older and older and i mean fringe yeah. is very good in its inventiveness and you know the audiences are younger but you've still got to keep encouraging more and more i think gig theater i'm a big advocate for gig theater um mm. i think that's a, i think that's a big way to get a young audience in because you know taking that not not you know because they're not musicals and they're but they're not no. the stuffy sit down theater that you know would put people off and i think gig theater is really a way to go with um getting a new audience in yeah and i i mean yeah i'd, I'd agree and i just think anything that's not anything that doesn't seem traditional is a good way to sort of bridge that gap i think also as well like you know again it's, it's talking about the, the phone thing i there are a lot of like content creators and influencers and what have you people who when i've spoken to them don't consider themselves to be creatives, but they're actually incredibly creative. So if you can sort of show how you can bridge what they're already doing with what we're doing in the theatre, then they're more likely to sort of join us. That sounds really creepy. Join us. <laughs> join our cult. <laughs> Come to the cult of theatre. 
Uh, we are, let's face it, Fringe Theatre is a little cultist. It is. <laughs> we all have our, it's our own little world, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't let strangers in. Um, <laughs> we should do, though. Um, how, how do you balance up the, because obviously if you're, you know, if you're using Instagram and other things while you're performing, how mm. How are you balancing that when you're actually performing? Because it's surely a big distraction to be trying to look at people's messages and perform at the same time. How do you ensure you don't get so locked up in your phone you forget you're actually meant to be putting on performance? Oh, I know. It's absolute madness, isn't it? I mean, luckily, I've got a really, really good team behind me. So <laughs> that helps. And, um, it, you know, it, it is the, the show does look mad and sometimes improvised but it is not, um, it is scripted. And I know the points where I'm going to be looking at things. And I give myself space. I've sort of allowed myself space in the show to check things. And I sort of know the beats of where I'm going to hit. So, you know, it's, it's I've, I've just carved out free moments for me to look at messages and to respond to things, but the audience won't necessarily know when that is. Mm. And if I see, if I, if I notice something that's particularly grabbed me, then I might mildly change something. But again, it's just it's just a little bit like sort of a bit of a dance, really. I mean, I just I know the beats I'm going to hit and I, I leave a slight room for improvisation of messages. And, you know, if, if someone says something really great, then I'm not going to ignore it. It might help. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of. The other thing that I struggle with is actually, although I'm very heavily, bring your phones, get on your phones, take pictures, take videos, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people don't. And that's because we're so ingrained in we shouldn't, even when I've given permission, and when I've stood there and I've said, you can use your phone, please do. There are still a lot of people who don't, which is really interesting, actually. We're just sort of, um, we sort of, sheep in that way i think uh, so it's, that's one of my tasks to try and break from people it's an interesting one because i think if if i think if, if i've been at performances you say well they say oh, you can take photographs at these points and i still don't always want to because i'm i'm i don't want to distract myself from yeah. the performance you know i think the moment i take my phone out there's so much going on on my phone you know i mean every time i look at my phone i've got about 20 new sort of emails uh, people ask me to come and review shows and that so <laughs> I try not to look at my, you know, I don't want to look at my phone because yeah. it could distract me from the performance. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that I think so. for the first run, I actually had a couple of people who came more than once. And I they said to me the second performance they came, they were more inclined to use their phone. And they enjoyed the fact that they did mm. because they then got access to a lot of the content that they'd missed. Because there's also things on there that if you're not, checking your phone you'll miss certain things okay it's you know a lot of it it's not necessarily storyline per se but there's like extra content or extra mm -hmm. sort of jokes or what have you you know storyline things that they just sort of pad out rather than you know if you if you didn't look at you know you're not gonna completely not understand the whole show but yeah that, i think that was that was quite interesting we also we had a um an interval last time and that meant that when people went down to the bar, they could speak to each other about who'd been sent what, <laughs> which was quite helpful. But this show needed to be a little bit um, shorter. So there isn't that this time. 
so um so yeah I mean we'll see I my big thing is I'm really trying to get people to 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 engage and to jump on their phones because yeah I suppose it's all. I mean, I mean, let's face it. There's a lot. You know, there's immersive and interactive theatre. So I suppose you, it's another step along that road, isn't it? You're you're getting yeah. people interacting with you, but in a slight, but I say almost in a third party way via your phone. Well, exactly, and that's because it's sort of um, it's a bit. There's a sort of voyeuristic nature when you're looking at this show because, as I say, you know, in a normal course of events, you might have especially when you think of like a one-person show, they would be sort of directly engaging with the audience often. And that's not what this character does at all. The character always speaks through her phone, which is then projected back onto uh, the the backdrop. So, um, yeah, it's just there's just loads of different things in, in there that uh, I think are new sort of forms that are being messed around with and, and challenged and... It's, it's interesting. I thought that that might be something that would cause people a bit of, um, uh, I don't know, you know, getting used to the, the lack of direct eye contact. But weirdly, people just jumped right into that. Again, I think because we're all used to watching influencers and bloggers and TikTok people all day long on our phones and just scrolling through them. So I think luckily social media has done that for me, that job of getting used I, to that. I hope I don't put the fear of God into you here. I've just thought... <laughs> The vaults obviously is all underground. What's the internet connection like? <laughs> yeah, no. <he'd... laughs> yeah, I have to say, when I uh, applied for the vault, I sort of put my application in, and then I, it was about five seconds after I sent it. I thought, hold on a second, how's it going to work? Can you do the show um, there? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be using a, a private network. Oh, okay. They've got so they because they've got Wi-Fi there. So they'll have they have um, a sort of a main Wi-Fi that everyone will be able to use the public, and then they have certain closed networks, right? So that shows can not be on the same network as however many hundreds of people at the same so, time. So they've thought this through. They've actually thought this through as something that other, you know people will, might be using. Well, I guess for other shows, if they want to do. I mean, I don't know whether, you know, if, if you've got your QLab plugged into something or if other shows might have been projecting or... So they might have... I'm guessing they must have just needed to have this for, yeah, for other things before. but um, Or for their sort of sales points and stuff, that will be Wi-Fi, I guess. So they've... Yeah, luckily... <laughs> uh, I say this, I've not actually done my tech day yet, so... <laughs> I could find that actually I'm panicking and uh, and trying to sort of like drill Wi-Fi under Wall Street. <laughs> a series of series of um, phones dotted from outside to inside to all yeah. hot point hot hot hotspot off each other. I don't think I wouldn't do it. I, I absolutely would. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to put the show on. Yeah. <laughs> right, the show does come with a lovely list of trigger warnings, it which does. Something I'm 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 obs- I'm I'm obsessed with trigger warnings. I love reading I love reading them for some reason, and I like how inventive people are now being with their trigger warnings. Um, yours just to give people an idea. Yours actually says um, included but not limited to suicide, drug abuse, self harm, bereavement, rape, depression, abuse, trauma, blood, cannibalism, porn, murder, anxiety. It is actually a comedy. Um, I, I love how you've done that and then added in that, you know, the comedy aspect at the end. Was that something you put a lot of thought into, your trigger warnings? 
Well, uh, it was literally, as I say, actually just um, sort of, you know, uh, we had to have a trigger warning list because the thing is, uh, if if you've been affected by some of these things and you haven't done a certain amount of therapy or got to a certain stage, it's probably not wise that you come and throw yourself into an evening because I'm not a therapist. So I'm just the person telling a story that happened to me. Um, and so I wouldn't want someone to sort of just dive in and be sort of broken beyond repair um mainly because I don't know if equity liability insurance covers for that so I you know I've got, got to be careful there um but it, it sort of the trickle warning list as it is there came about because my producer um when we did it at the White Bear she was asking me oh we've got the have the things and I just sort of started texting one by one lines of oh it's got this and it's this and this and this and this and this and this and then I just sort of read the huge paragraph back and I was like oh what a cheery little play we're making <laughs> and then just started cackling to myself and thought we better put that it's actually a comedy because when you read that list it doesn't sound like it, it, sounds, it, <laughs> it sounds like a good night out to me <laughs> Well, I hope other people think that too and come because it is a good night out. And, you know, I, it's again, it's also some one of my friends said to me, and she said, she's like, oh, you have seen your trigger warning list. That sounds horrific. I was like, well, it's basically my life. So uh, you're just saying my life. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> There's cannibalism in the middle of this. Are yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> is, is this a spoiler for the show? Is, is this where it comes out? You at the. At the ex-partner that split up with you? <laughs> Don't give the storyline away. Or, or is that what is that what caused the split that he you you were caught you were caught eating the neighbour or something? Which could be take that could be that could take you straight to the pawn section as well, actually, could it? But that's a story for another day. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, I mean, do you know what with sad vents, anything is possible. But but yeah, that um that they had to go on there. You know, as I say. It's, I'm I'm very very hot on mental health stuff and people having the ability to take ownership of what they can be exposed to. Um, I obviously I'm not aiming to upset anyone uh, or to cause any issues, um, which is why sort of health and safety is something that I I sort of speak about. And again, I'm not only is it on the on all of the marketing and stuff, but in my show before I crack on. I, again, make sure that I've given people a good old uh, heads up of what the trigger warning list is. And I let people know that they can come and go as they please. That's uh, It's been from the beginning of when I started creating this. It's always been like an open door sort of policy. If you're sitting there and you think, oh, this isn't for me, you can just get up and leave. Take five seconds. You can come back in. You've also remember, and this is something that I found is good, having your phone if you have a moment that is a bit too much for you you can just look down at your phone Mm. and I think people some of the feedback that I got was that people actually found that quite a sort of safety blanket because we do go on a bit of a journey and you know I mean there is cannibalism (laughs) Um, I've really got to stop laughing at cannibalism haven't I Um, (laughs) and uh, and, you know if if it gets a bit much sometimes people don't feel comfortable with leaving but they can they can just look down their phone they can disappear from that world for a bit and then they can sort of rejoin us when they want or they can leave the space and they can come back in I really I really don't care because it's not for me it's it's for the audience 
How do you balance up? And it's something I've, I've asked this to a lot of people in the past. How do you balance up quite serious topics with it being a, you know, with it still at its heart being a comedy? Well, I think sort of like life is serious and funny, isn't it? And sort of my general mantra through all of the terrible things that have happened in my life are um, you can sort of laugh or cry. Now, often I'm laughing and crying, <laughs> but um, I I do, I think from an early age, I developed quite a sort of a dark sense of humour. And that's the sort of coping mechanism for me and I think that's that's just always going to be in in my writing and I think I I think some of the ways of taking away this sort of um the power of these sort of serious things or hurtful things or whatever is to sort of laugh at them a little bit you know and and I've oh, I've always had this thing i I suffer with depression and anxiety and I've always said for right or wrong again I am not a doctor these are just my own opinions um but uh mental health is fine to struggle with but do try and keep a sense of humor with it um and I know that can be hard but for me it's been really really helpful and um yeah so that I I just kind of I just kind of try and balance it I think as well the comedy is helpful because otherwise if it was just all of those trigger warning lists and no comedy no one wants to do that (laughs) What? No way! <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd come for the cannibalism personally. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting, actually. I mean, I'm I'm like you. I have a dual diagnosis of anxiety and depression, which are lovely bedfellows, aren't they, to have together? The holy Grail! <laughs> oh, I get anxious about my depression, and the anxiety yeah. makes my depression worse, and I get more depressed, and so my anxiety heightens, and yeah, and then I lock myself in a dark room for days. Um, yeah. But but also, but that's what confuses people, isn't it? When, you know, they don't understand how you can have quite bad depression and laugh about it at the same time. Yeah, and that's something that I will, I, 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 again, I think it's it's good to highlight that you can be all of those things at the same time. And sometimes people might be sort of performing Ha-ha, yeah, oh my God, it's so funny, yay, but really struggling inside and and just sort of, I think, understanding the complexity of those things and how you can show one thing, feel another thing, have something else creeping in your brain here. And, you know, it, it, I think I think that's good if people sort of understand a little bit more. Um, we might have some more sympathy for people or just understanding just in general, you know. Do you do you worry that I mean because obviously this this as you've said this a lot of this comes from your own personal experience and your yeah about ninety percent I'd say <laughs> and your 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 Instagram breakdown um, yeah <laughs> do you, do you worry you're just you so desperately want to see that original one now <laughs> I'm going hunting for it you know no, you know nothing it's all there somewhere you know every once it goes on the internet once it's there forever somewhere um, you can't delete your history. Um, <laughs> Do you, do you worry that you're exposing yourself too much? You know, do, you're putting too much yourself out there for people to to see. A bit too late for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's far too late. No, do you know what? I don't, and I never have. Um, I think, again, genuinely, maybe some of it comes from the fact that I, I mean, all was laid bare when I had my sort of breakdown all over Instagram. And so, I mean, I don't have 
thousands and thousands of followers. So it was only a sort of select few who saw it. Um, but all of my friends and family saw everything and, and some other people as well. So I sort of think, well, it, I've said it, I've, I've shared it, I've, it's out there now, it's too late. And I, I think there's part of me as well that thinks, I don't care, why shouldn't I share? It's my bloody life. Do you know, like... Is, is there an element just, of reclaiming the narrative, you know, taking control of, you know, people have seen that part of it, so let's reclaim it and, and put it out there in a, to, to, to claim it for yourself now, be proud of it? Oh, yeah, definitely that. And also, I um, think that if I am going to experience trauma, then I'm going to monetize it um, because it's, you know, I, I do need therapy and I have to pay for those therapy bills somehow. So, so expensive, uh, I, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's so expensive. So I think, why don't I take all the terrible things that have happened in my life, turn them into a play, make money from the terrible things that have happened? That's this way. Every time something bad happens in my life, I can be sort of half crying and half thinking, ka-ching! <laughs> um, I, I, it's, oh, yeah, it's, um, it's a strange affair. I'd say, and depression and anxiety are horrible bedfellows. Um, my, my, when I was going through therapy, my, my, my therapist actually said I deliberately put myself into, into bad situations because I thrive on them. She said, you, oh, yes, it's I'm... almost, yeah, it's almost a little bit. She said that, you know, you, you're only happy when you're sad. And it was the weirdest oh, concept yeah. to get your head around. Yeah, I mean, I definitely identify with that. Um, and that I sort of touch on that as well through the the play of, you know, the character having a sort of a toxic relationship and how how someone with especially sort of anxiety, depression and trauma, early uh, childhood trauma might be more... Um, more susceptible to being in those those relationships because again it's just what you know and you know uncertainty and upset and trauma and that sort of thing and so although it's not fun it feels safe and uh yeah so that's that's something that I I sort of touch on as well there is I mean there and I can't let's not go too deep into this but there's also there that you're getting to the elements of domestic abuse there as well aren't you where abuse victims tend to always go for the same sort of person because they feel safe with them, even though they're the same people who go abuse them every single time. Yeah, and that, you know, I, I it's on my, um, I, my trigger uh, warning list, that's, that's something that I, I speak about and the sort of patterns mm. that start to emerge and, and the sort of, you know, the, because the audience watches this girl who only speaks through her phone and isn't reaching out in real life, as it were, and this sort of helplessness of people who watch someone repeat these patterns over and over and over again. And whether, you know, when do people step in? Do people step in? How can they? And how hard it is for those on the outside watching to just see someone almost sort of destroying themselves. Yeah, it's it's a strange world. We are strange creatures. Right, let's cheer things yeah. up a bit. <laughs> Let's let let let's cheer things up a bit by talking about how how is your director coping with all the anxiety you're clearly giving them in, <laughs> in putting on a show like this because this can't be an easy one to direct. No, no, it can't be, and I'm I'm a nightmare. Um, Annie McKenzie is my director, and she is great, so so great. In fact, so she 
did one of the early monologues when it was a series on Instagram. Okay. I um I trained with her at East 15. She's a couple of years older than me, so we weren't in the same year, but that's how we met. And um, there's there's sort of no one in the world that I thought about before I thought of her um, to to come on and direct. And um, yeah, she's she's wonderful. We we have similar life traumas, which is really helpful because <laughs> when I'm sort of rabbiting on about oh yeah, so this terrible thing happened, and then blah blah blah, it's 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 really helpful to have someone to go oh no no I know that I know that and. And, and and similar sort of mental health issues and and all of all of the above. So yeah, it's it's helpful to someone to have the same sort of language as me. And yeah, she's um she's a rock. She's incredible, really, really just incredible. And I think has a similar sort of dark sense of humour with me. We uh, Annie, my director, myself, and then Valencia, who's my um producer and marketing person. We're all a similar cut of dark humour, which is very, very helpful because yeah. also in the room where we were sort of creating the show, I would sort of say, oh, I want to do this. And I didn't get no's. I got, all right, then go on then, do that. And so that means that there are some scenes in the show that I feel other directors or producers would have gone, good God, you can't do that. But mine said, yes, go on, off you go, do that. Um, so that's really helpful for someone like me because uh, we never found the line. We were sort of <laughs> hunting for the line desperately, but we never found it. A good theatre is about crossing that line every time, <laughs> isn't it? You know, there's no good drawing a line in the sand and saying we're not passing this because the moment you no. do that, you are restricting yourself. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And yeah, there were we just never learned any lines at all in our. <laughs> I um I saw a show called Psychodrama um at the Batsy Art Centre back mm. in last or in the summer and they clearly did not have a line. And <laughs> <laughs> I would love that you know that there was no line. <laughs> there, there there was it, it and again it's talking about inventiveness, they you you all wore headphones for the performance. Uh, yeah. So they were literally whispering privately to you all the time. And they started, it was very much, they started describing sex scenes. And they got more and more extreme as they went on. But they also got, they were very graphic, but it was very, it was the whole point of it was to show that we don't have, um, it, it was a lot of cartoon references and that. And there was a lot. It was it was a show that we're desensitized, des desensitized, desensitized. That's still not the right word, but I can't get the word out now. <laughs> um, it was about it was about showing that you know TV and that has put you know has made us unaffected by violence. Mm. And so their sex scenes, they start to describe the sex scenes more and more violently. Um, and there was a classic where they're talking about in a, being in a, in a cafe or a diner. I think it was diner. It was very American, and breaking off a chair leg and using that in a sex scene <laughs> and it was, wow. I'm, and it's i'm at that point where it's like you have crossed that line so yeah. far you know? <laughs> and i everyone's got their own lines haven't they mm. do you know do you know what i mean because i think we found that as well so in because <clears throat> there's something that you might watch that i would think yeah what well, i'm not well or vice versa 
you know you I I might watch something and go oh my god that's awful and you might go no that's that's completely fine so everyone in, in a way it doesn't it doesn't make any sense for us as the creatives to have their own line because our lines are different to the audience lines anyway you know we all we can do is just shove it out there and and, and see how people react I mean although I do say I, I like to play um a fun game with um Annie and Valencia which is where, where do we think the <gasps> the real oh is gonna come and um yeah a few nights I was shocked I thought my god if you're already going oh, then wait till later it gets so much <laughs> and I do I'm on stage and I'm thinking oh I've got this kind of audience oh god <laughs> does it does that I mean I suppose especially with doing the show this way I suppose you're, you you need a very proactive audience don't you is it you, mm. did you find when you've done the show before did it, did it change drastically different nights depending on the audience I mean, I definitely experienced, I think that because of some of the subjects, some, <laughs> nearly all of the subjects are kind of like on the edge. People don't want to be seen before laughing uh, at certain things. So they are laughing and they are, but a lot of people I think don't want to be the first one to laugh, for example, at cannibalism or or like bereavement or or something, you know, and and I think that because of that, that means that sometimes I find I I sort of play with the audiences a bit. I mean, again, as I said about leaving space for me to message them and stuff, because of that, I can have a certain amount of fun with sort of pulling out bits of the audience that I might want. I mean, the story's the same. The story's there. But there there's sort of room for me to sort of a little bit in a way, you know, like a stand-up comedian might do to sort of work the room a bit there's a bit of room for me to do that but um no it's I mean it, it's such great fun because you just hear there's some people who are just cracking up laughing the whole time um and then you can see other people looking at the people who are laughing <laughs> and it's, just, it's so great but I do say to people again I say it's a comedy you can laugh it, it's acceptable it is, it is a strange one I saw um Reginald um, Reginald D Hunter a few years back, and he tells one of the worst rape jokes I have ever heard. And That's good, isn't he? But I saw him in Hammersmith um, Hammersmith Apollo. So what, three and a half, four thousand people? Yeah. And as he as he does the punchline to the joke, there is a there is this pause because no one wants to be the first to laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean. That is definitely something that I find in the play. And I do I do a little bit before I start the play, joking around with things, just kind of warming them up on getting them okay with laughing at things like rape jokes. Um and and sort of yeah, just just sort of <laughs> easing people in. And then and then it's not easy at all. Then it's just like bam, 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 bam. It's 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 an it's, I say, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's about I don't know, it's, it's weird because I say rape jokes, you know, you get people say, no, you shouldn't make any jokes. There's, there should be no such thing as a rape joke. And then, but then you get come in and say, well, it's not about, you know, it's it's the context, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's I mean, the I, don't think anyone else, I don't think anyone saying rape is funny. I think people say, you know, like that's not, it's not I'm certainly not, but it's, it's, it's okay to laugh at things 
that I mean it's just okay to laugh in general people have all sorts of reactions to things I remember being told a relative was dead once and I just burst into laughter I didn't think it was funny but that was just my sort of immediate reaction you know so um so yeah but no it's, it is it is fun you're on stage and you're sort of working the audience out as you go through things and then I hit a certain few beats when you come and see I can't say what they are because yeah but and you just you hear the audience and you just ah it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful moment (laughs) (laughs) so you've got four nights coming up at the vaults um and obviously you've done uh what you do a week at white bear yeah yeah is there other plans for afterwards? Are you looking, are you already sort of putting, getting your calendar together for next year? Is there plans to take this show on and sort of develop yeah. it further? So the big the big um, dream is uh, Fringe. So from here, so for the White Bear, I got Arts Council funding. Um, I didn't get Arts Council funding this time. So um, if anyone wants to give me any money, then feel <laughs> free. I'm still crowdfunding. Yeah, so this is a little bit uh, of a tighter performance uh, finance-wise. But then I'll be beginning to prep for Edinburgh, uh, fundraise for that, and then get up there. We've got um, a couple of programmers coming to to see, so hopefully, yeah, yeah that that's the the big plan to take it up there and see what they make of it. Um, and then, um, well, I presume Soho Theatre, um, <laughs> and then take over the world. And then I <laughs> guess they'll just give me an Oscar for being amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I, <laughs> I, I have I have big plans and I have um I have sort of tactics of trying to get people basically it's mild harassment. I sort of email people twice a day every day and um eventually they either block me or uh, just like give I did or they give in. One last sales pitch. Why should we be coming to see Sad Vents um Vaults Festival in the cavern between the thirty first January and the third of February? Uh you should come and see it because it's different it really is different in so far that you can bring your phones you can have a laugh at some terrible things and you can live stream stuff you can be attacked via your dms which who doesn't want to be um there's there's like sort of real tech heavy moments and so the fact that i'm doing it underground means that it could all go massively wrong and then rather than watching me act a breakdown on stage you could see a real live breakdown when somehow the all of the wi-fi just died <laughs> and that would be fun and uh yeah it's you know it's, it's a female-led which is really really important to me i've got an amazing director an amazing producer i've got an incredible um stage manager and technician who's also a woman and i think the the us as a team we've created something mad and um I have to say my 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 sort of final bid of a quote. I got some wonderful reviews, but my, the thing that sticks with me the most is one of the audience members came out of the show and she said it made Fleabag look like CBBS. And I thought, yeah, that that does it. That that's about it. <laughs> if you fancy some of that, um, then uh, then yeah, you should come along and and support and have a laugh and also. I'm going to get some free stuff from companies and give them out in goodie bags. So, you know, and I might even try and get some free booze as well. So, I mean, just come from the freebies and the fact that I might have a breakdown. That's, that's all we review for, really. That's all, you know, um, 
if if we know it's going to be free booze at a, a, a show, we're, we're on it like anything. <laughs> yeah, if you're not giving free booze out, it goes to the bottom of our possible list. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I, I, Eleanor, let's say let's just repeat one more time. Sad events, thirty first January, third of February, eight thirty, Vault Festival. What we always say with the Vault Festival: get there, do two or three shows in an evening, go see a show at seven, come see this one at eight thirty. Was it about an hour long? Uh, 75 minutes straight through oh it's a long one. <laughs> oh yeah but it doesn't feel it trust me you get battered from all edges you won't even you won't even know you've but you've been there and then you'll be staggering out and you'll have alcohol and it will soothe yeah. you <laughs> so, so that's perfect like, see a show at seven have a little break see yours at 8 30 till quarter to 10 yeah wonderful perfect yeah got, got it planned out already i should be i should be planning people's diaries for them um, <laughs> Eleanor, it's been an absolute pleasure the show does sound fascinating but yeah good luck with the show say coming 31st january we'll put links up to the website we'll put links up to your crowdfunding or yeah um on on the website Thank as well everything much. so people can see you know find out more about you and if i can find yeah. it i'll put links up to your instagram all the original if, why don't I just send you an email with everything in it and just, then just, and I've just got... send me the links and I'll I'll slap yeah. everything out I'll put it all there for the world to see for you amazing thank you so much it's been so fun talking to you absolute pleasure thank you so much okay. <laughs> thank you